1: This episode of Zero Pucks Given is brought to you by Star Market and Wise Snacks. Here's Dale Arnold. Welcome to Zero Pucks Given. It is the hockey podcast here from Sports Radio WEEI. My name's Dale Arnold. And uh, this is one of those interesting timing situations. I had asked Andrew Raycroft to uh, record the podcast with me today. Little did I know that the night before Andrew Raycroft was going to appear. Tuca Rask was going to stand on his head and help the Bruins to a 3-1 victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs and a 3-1 series lead in the best of seven series. Andrew, how are you? I'm great, thanks. How about you? I'm doing fine, thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, you got to help me with this one. And I know goaltenders, generally speaking, can be lightning rods for hockey fans in any city, wherever you play. Have you got any idea why Tuca Rask is such a lightning rod in this town?
0: I, I don't. Um, and I... Listen to talk radio um, on occasion in town, and, and I yeah I don't understand. I think he's given everything that anyone could ask to the organization over the last you know we're looking at twelve years now, so it's, it's you know it's, it's getting up there. Um, and last night's just another example. It's, it's just so steady, and, and to you know a big win on the road with with the leader out. Um, you know he stepped up in a big way, and they have a, a stranglehold on the series now.
1: You've heard it, and I hear it a lot. You know, talking to hockey fans uh, on the talk show, uh, I hear always oh, soft. You'll never win the big game with Tuca. You'll never win a cup with Tuca. I wonder what that's all born from. I guess they go back to that Flyer series when the Bruins had a three nothing series lead and lost in seven. That was in two thousand six for crying out <laughs> loud. Uh, and, and yet, that's what people go back to. I guess.
0: Yeah, and you know, I you know, all of those things are all in our career history. But those those also make us better players and, and you know I, I think that without question you know I, I lost a series three to one and if I was ever in another series I know I wasn't going to lose that series you know you find ways and I'm sure Tuca has the same experience and you know he learned a lot from it um but yeah to say he's soft you know he plays 60 games a year for the last 10 years um you know at the level in the class that he does is um you know I'm not really sure you know why and I think the other thing is to, to really think about, and you know, for everyone to think about. It, not everyone wins the Stanley Cup. There's a bunch of amazing Hall of Fame goaltenders that have never won a Stanley Cup. Um, it's really difficult. So to 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 to, and he's been to the finals twice. You know, he, he carried the team one year and and you know helped get the team there as as the second guy the the year they won in '11. So um, you know. To, to go to that and, and the softness doesn't, just doesn't really you know, make sense, to be honest.
1: Part of the problem, I guess, is that in this town, he suffers by comparison because Tim Thomas is the goaltender who carried the Bruins to a Stanley Cup championship. Now, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. In the final two series of that playoff run, he was otherworldly. He was as good as I've ever seen. The first two rounds of that playoff run, he was good, not great, but the second, the last two rounds, he was unbelievable, and that's what fans remember in this town
0: yeah, of course, everyone remembers the win and, and the final, se- final two series, um, which he was you know lights out consmite the whole thing. Um, but yeah, there is a fine line and, and who's to say you know Tuka got to game six? who's to say that you know a wrist shot from Hal Gill doesn't go in in game seven overtime in Boston and, and you know the Bruins get knocked out of that first round and there's, the, the narrative's completely different, 180 degrees different so um, you know, everyone's careers get defined on a, on a very thin, fine line. And, um, you know, Tuca is certainly no different. And hopefully, you know, he gets that, that break to go one way. And, you know, they, they get to the finals and they, they find a way to win rather than losing game six in the last minute and a half of the game. So, um, again, it's such a fine line. And, you to, to judge people in careers is difficult on
1: one playoff series. As a former goaltender in the National Hockey League, and, and you and I have talked about goaltending a lot when you've been with me uh, as an analyst on Nessun, how do you judge Tuca stylistically? How do you describe the way he plays?
0: Uh, he's the, the way he makes... Moving on his knees, the way he's been able to adapt to the way that style is now and the way he does it makes it look so much easier than it actually is to get set on the post and to get the right angles, um, you know, on the down low and moving out. It's, it's for me to watch, um, you know, just with a little bit of understanding on what he's trying to do is, it's, it's really incredible. And there's no one else that moves that way on the, on the ice in the league. Um, and in saying all that, and the technique, he, he he's a great athlete, and, and he's able to make you know that save he made when he kind of muffed the puck behind the net last night. But to get back into you know to to scramble and battle the way he did back, it, it takes an athlete. And um, so you know overall, it's you know the technique wise is pretty you know is it, extremely solid, like most guys in the NHL, but. You know, his ability and confidence to become an athlete at times when it's needed, it, it kind of separates him.
1: There are some people who may not know the connection, uh, but I'll give it to them. Uh, you were a Calder Trophy winner for the Boston Bruins in O three, oh four. 4 was drafted in the first round, 21st overall in the 2005 draft by the Toronto Maple Leafs. On June 24, 2006, you were traded to Toronto for Tuka It was an even-up swap. The Bruins dealt you to Toronto for Tuka He was a 19-year-old prospect. Uh, he was playing in Finland. They didn't really have an idea of what he was going to be like. But just to put it all in perspective, on that day, June 24th, 06, the Bruins traded you for Tuka and they drafted Phil Kessel, Milan Lucic, and Brad Marchand. That's a pretty good day in any team's uh, developmental system, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's that day certainly changed the uh, this generation for the Bruins without question. Um, And it's interesting for me to be on the other end of that now. Um, You know, it's really interesting because the Leafs had two, you know, top blue chip prospects. Justin Pogge was the other guy and and that's who the Leafs decided to keep. Um, You know, he was the one off the board and Tuca was expandable, which, you know, obviously in hindsight, it didn't work out. But at the same time for, You know, Tuca to get out of Toronto and come to this organization at that time with Lucic and Marshawn coming in, and then obviously Patrice getting older, and Chara came in that same year as well. Um, So those are big names that everyone knows now, but, you know, obviously 11, 12 years ago now, whatever, you know, we're getting getting up there, getting away from it. But um, certainly uh, interesting for me to be on the other side now Um, and looking back. Uh, it was uh, it changed changed yeah the Bruins organization for this generation no question.
1: What were your feelings when the Bruins told you you were traded to the Leafs?
0: I was I was excited. I was actually I was on vacation because um, you're a I Belleville
1: was, Belleville Ontario guy. Yeah
0: yeah, and all my friends are from were in Toronto at that time. So and and I know exactly you know I knew exactly what it meant to be the Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender. It's like being you know, the starting pitcher for the Red Sox or the, you know, now the Patriots quarterback, it's a, it's a big deal, a big responsibility. And, um, at the t- I was, you know, over the moon, uh, excited, especially at that, you know, at that time with the Bruins as well, it wasn't the best time to be a Bruin. Um, there was nowhere near the excitement or the love, uh, for the organization that there is now. And there was, you know, it, there was some lean years at, at that time. So, um, I was excited to get to Toronto, and um, you know, have that have that experience up there was was really something.
1: Look, I know you were excited to go home, and I understand that. But the Maple Leafs sucked too, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, at the time, I thought I was going to be the one to turn the whole thing around. You know, that's, that's as a guy goalie, that's what you think. Um, unfortunately, I realized you know it didn't go that way, and it it went even more downhill um, after I left up there, and they've, they're just. Trying to get back to even right now, so so yeah they uh they weren't very good either.
1: I was thinking about that because uh, you had a really good year, the full season you played there. I looked at the numbers earlier today. you had a really good year, goals against average below three uh you played in seventy games or something, and then the next year they dealt you halfway through the season. What the heck happened?
0: yeah, again, it was uh you know being up there and in that yeah. You know, we didn't make the playoffs. The same, you know, at the end of the day, we lost on the last day of the season. Um, we weren't even playing. We The Islanders beat the Devils in a shootout. And If they had a loss, we would have gotten to the playoffs. And I think, um, again, that fine line that I talked about earlier, you know, like, if we get in the playoffs and go on a run, then, you know, that whole thing changes. But we, we weren't able to get in. Um, and if you don't make the playoffs in a big market like that, change happens. And um, for me, it happened quick. I wasn't able to really bounce back, you know, mentally maybe. I, I didn't come back, you know, in the right frame of mind. And, um, you know, as the business goes, things happen quick. So just to kind of regroup, too, on one point, I always think at the point now, the way things are, and you talk about how Toronto sucked, I, I feel like I was able to get Tuca out of there to get him here. <laughs> so I'll take some credit for, you know, his Hall of
1: Fame career. They should have given you a ring.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: I'll so the, uh, and, and I want to go back to that because uh, when we were doing the telecast last night, we showed that that scene outside. They're in that big square near the Air mm. Canada Center, and it goes back to the Bruins-Toronto playoff series a few years ago in that Game Seven when the Bruins were down three in the third in Game <laughs> Seven and ended up winning in overtime. We kept going to that that shot of of those fans. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know what it's like up there the the angst those fans feel all the time. The gut punches that they seem to take year after year after year, and yet they keep showing up.
0: Yeah, no question. And those are my those are my friends. Those are my best friends. You know, they they're all in on the Leafs every year. They played. They they plan the parade route. Um, it's to be at this point now, and it's becoming more and more similar. Is is Red Sox? You know, up until two thousand four. Um, that's kind of the way for everyone here to think about. It. That's what the Leafs feel. Like. 1967. I mean, that's everybody knows, you know, and those guys become bigger heroes every year. The Leafs don't go, you know, far in the playoffs. So um, it is, it really is something. And those square, that's kind of what the whole city looks like. That little square encapsulates basically all across Ontario.
1: Did you enjoy your time playing there?
0: I did. I did. Uh, it was a lot. And looking back, um, I probably would have been better suited to you know have more of a suburban life that i have now it was busy and um it takes a lot of like i said responsibility and discipline and um but yeah it's it's one of those things you know it's really difficult but to be able to say you played for the toronto maple Leafs is is something special you know where i'm from
1: all right, let's go back to this series. Uh, you know, you're, as we're sitting there on set doing the pregame show last night, well, we're, we're half hour into the one hour pregame show, and Billy and Barry are talking, they're doing their segment, and in my ear, Sean Allen, my producer, is saying, Patrice Bergeron isn't on the ice as they come out for warm-up. And I'm, I'm sort of thinking what I'm going to do, and I'm letting them finish their thought, and then 10 seconds later, he says, the Bruins have just tweeted out, Bergeron is out. And I interrupt them, and I say, we've got breaking news here, guys. Patrice Bergeron is not going to play in tonight's game. And you could see the look on both their faces. And I'm sure it was the same on every Bruins fan's face last night. Holy crap, how did this happen?
0: Yeah, credit the Bruins for keeping that quiet in Toronto for two days is uh, impressive, nonetheless, that, that alone. So um, certainly a shock. And obviously a lot more questions, you know, than answers at this point. And I'm sure, you know, hope and, and, you know, that's, that also goes to that win last night, you know, obviously a big win to everything else, but the chance to um, finish out the series sooner and get more rest is, is, this is a perfect example of why you need that um, to get, to have a long run. You need a couple short series to get everybody and. Obviously, we're only four games in, and it's already, you know, showing it's, it's worth if they can close this out on Saturday.
1: Now, I'll say this. Patrice Bergeron was skating over here at Warrior this morning with Brian Gionta. Mm-hmm. And, and even last night, Bruce Cassidy said after the game, we're hopeful he'll be ready for Game 5. I'm wondering if you're Bruce Cassidy, and you've got a 3-1 series lead, and you know Patrice Bergeron's battling something. You know what it is. I don't know what it is. Are you tempted to say, you know what, Patrice, we're going to try to win this without you?
0: It, um, no, just because of the playoffs. And when you get a chance to, you know, step on the teams, you know, end it, you, you do everything you can to end it. You never want to let them back in. It, 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 you know, it's easy to lose this game, and then all of a sudden you're going back to their building, and then you have a game seven. And, um, so I think if, if he's healthy and cannot make whatever is injured worse, um, you get him out there and, and you know, hope he does what he does. That being said, there is you know, a small luxury that they've had and proven that this season that they can win with anyone out of the lineup. And to have that confidence, um, certainly you, you're not going to um, – you don't feel like you have to put him in a terrible spot um, injury-wise. If, if it's going to get worse, you can afford to take another couple days off. So – um, I think, you know, uh, long answer, long, you, you, you put him in if he can play, um, but they do have a luxury of being able to win and finding ways to win with with any of these guys out of the lineup.
1: Andrew, to your point, counting last night's game, the Bruins are now 12-5-2 in the 19 games Bergeron has not played in this year. Yeah,
0: I, I, it's incredible. It really, it's it is really incredible what they've been able to do, the coaching staff and Don and um, and all the guys stepping up and, and, you know, just goes to the character that the team has and, and why everyone has such a good feeling about, you know, what they're doing over there.
1: There was a great piece yesterday in the Players' Tribune. It was written by Brad Marchand, and it's one of those first-person things, and maybe he has a ghostwriter, but they're his words. And uh, it, it is an amazing piece and a glimpse behind the scenes of Brad Marchand. He said, if I don't play the way I play, you don't know my name, because I'm not in the NHL. Do you agree with that?
0: A thousand percent. Yeah, a thousand percent. You know, to to, that kind of character doesn't just show up when you end up in the NHL. Um, You know, he's fought and scrapped his whole, you know, since he was seven, eight years old, and... And you know all the guys in the NHL, for that matter, you know, or at least ninety-five percent of them, weren't the best players on their teams growing up. They weren't the best players in their cities or towns or wherever they're from, and they're always fighting uphill. And and you know, for a lot of guys like Marshawn, you can't turn that off when you when you get to this level. And you know, again, he, he's a different. Um, it's a different case for him because most of those guys don't end up being you know three four five-time all-stars and stanley cup winners so they don't get the same limelight as some of the third or fourth line guys do um but without question that uh, you know those get you don't get to that level with by changing your character at the end of, you know when you get to the nhl and i he's not going to change it's the way he is and he's on that line and it's you know he can cross it sometimes but you know without question that makes him the player he is and um, you know, scoring the big goals that he does, like he did last night.
1: You know, I, I go back to uh, his rookie season, the year the the Bruins won the Cup, and I look at the player who's on the ice now, and it's almost like they're two different people. the 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 advancement that he's made, the hard work he's obviously put in, the development that that he's obviously undertaken, is almost unbelievable to me. And I think there are two things at at, at play here. One is Claude Julien. And in the piece, he gives Claude Julien a lot of the credit. But two is Patrice Bergeron. Julien put them together way back when, and he said to Brad Marchand, you won't be the best player on the ice, because Patrice Bergeron will be the best player on the ice. But you can be the second best player on the ice. And I think that's driven him ever since.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, w- I would throw a third name in Zdeno Chara. Um, as well, and and what kind of uh, um, umbrella he's you know he just his blanket is all over this organization his professionalism and how to work and you know Patrice and, and Marshawn especially have learned so much from that and they've taken those you know they've taken it to heart and, and become the same kind of leaders so so without question those three guys and having those three guys mentor you and and be in your side and and help you learn and become better well and match that with the talent and the work ethic and the character that Marshall has, I mean, it's, that's where we're at today. It's, it's impressive.
1: We've got to go back to the third member of what I have said is the best line in hockey. 99 goals combined this year, all of them uh, either high th- uh, 20s or low 30s and plus minus. We've talked about Bergeron. We've talked about Marshand. Now we've got to talk about the most talented player on the Bruins, because I really think that's what David Pasternak is.
0: He is and uh and he's a, and it's 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 a perfect mix we just talked about character and seriousness and discipline and then pasta comes in and he's david's just you know brings new life to everything he's so excited to do everything he's got a big smile on his face um and i was lucky that we went to china a couple of years ago my wife and i with the bruins we did the clinics over there and, and David was on the trip, and, you know, just to be around him for 10 days over there was a blast every day. You know, big smile every morning, on the ice with the kids, and then uh, my wife flew back with him, actually, and she just, like, she fell in love with him. She thinks he's the greatest kid in the world, so, you know, drove him back to his, his uh, um, apartment when we got into the city. Like, just a great kid, and very respectful, and very thoughtful, and happy to talk, and outgoing. And on top of all that, his talents have gotten so much better. You know he's improved so much from you know two years ago, and he's only twenty one. It's 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 going to be fun to watch him grow up, like we have Patrice.
1: As you watch this Bruins team all season long, and we've talked about this, you know, during the course of the season at different times, who's been the biggest surprise for you this year?
0: I think I think a little bit is is Pasternak, is David. Uh, I think you know he's grown so much and been able to take that first line role and and. You know without without having Patrice at times and without having Brad at times um, you know I think he's really stepped up you know I, I you know it's that it's that seventh player award thing you know you wouldn't give it to him you know he's not that he, that's what he was supposed to do he just signed a huge deal but I think he's growing more than I expected. Um, secondly the first the, the real name that kind of comes up and speaks up is Kevin Miller. Um, you know he's he's really, um, improved his game to a point where he's really depended on back there and he's, um, you know, I think that's helped with the coaching change and the, the different mentality of jumping into the play for the D-men and giving them a little bit more rain um, allowing them to make mistakes and, and he's certainly benefited from that. So I, I would put him um, you know, 1-1 and 1-A.
1: You played for Mike Keenan here for the Boston Bruins so you played on a team that was pretty united basically in their dislike for Mike Keenan. Uh, so now I think about this Bruins team. Marchand has talked about it. Others have talked about it. How tight they are, how close they are. How much do you think that affects success or failure for a team?
0: Um, I think it affects success in a major way. Um, you can be a close team and not make the playoffs. So that, you know, that don't get me. Really, like, I've been on close teams where everyone really got along and, you know, we weren't any good. But I think if you have that. To win a Stanley Cup, you need that kind of connection and that kind of um, camaraderie and, and that kind of love for each other as as teammates. Um, it's certainly, obviously, a different kind of love than you know what we're used to. But that you know wanting to go through the wall for your teammates and all those cliches are something that is very important and that's something that every championship team in hockey has on some level. So it, it's a big deal. They're never they never feel like they're out of it. They never get down on each other, and they have complete belief in the guy next to them is going to do everything they can to win, um, no matter the score or the situation they're in.
1: It's funny you should say that because the, probably the single moment where it, it just crystallized for me and I realized how tight they were, it was a it was a game uh, last month in March, uh, Bruins in Tampa Bay. Dan Girardi gives Patrice Bergeron a hard but clean check at center ice. Had no issues with the hit at all. I don't think Patrice had any issues, but it was a a pretty good hit. And David Pasternak goes right to him, drops the gloves, and challenges Dan Girardi. And I'm thinking, you know, three guys had Gordie Howe hat tricks this year for the Bruins. David Pasternak might be the last guy I would have picked to be one of them.
0: (laughs) No, exactly. And, and. And that just – it, it, it's, a, it's a circle. It, it keeps going. When David does that, you know, everyone else on the bench sees that. And, um, you know, it doesn't go, it doesn't go unmissed. And um, it, it's, it, it's hard to explain, and you can't really just force it. But that doesn't necessarily happen on every team in the NHL. Um, not everybody's going to go to bat for one of their teammates that gets hit. And it's just whether they don't get along or – They just don't have that passion to to win for their teammates. So um, couldn't agree more that those kinds of situations are telling and are important to winning teams.
1: I was a big Claude Julien fan. I thought he was a hell of a coach. I still think he's a hell of a coach. And and look, he, he won a Stanley Cup here, and they'd gone a long time between Stanley Cups. Having said all that, Bruce Cassidy's done a better job with this team in the short period of time that he's got. Now, he's got more talent on this team than Claude had when he got fired. But what he's done with the talent and how he's coached them has really impressed me this year.
0: No question, he's been he's he's done a fantastic job, and I think having those couple months last season really helped give him an idea of where the direction the team went. So I think that's certainly a been a benefit for him being able to be in the room and get to know, you know, exactly how Zidane leads and exactly how Patrice leads, and being able to, you know, and. Bruce has said this numerous times, to be able to come into this situation and have those guys as your leaders is such a benefit as a coach, to be able to just kind of turn it over to them, turn the room over to them and let them, you know, the same way Tom Brady polices the dressing room down in, in Foxborough and, and leads by example. That's what those guys do here. Um, you know, and, I, and going back to Claude, I think at some point with, for Claude-Julian, it was just a matter of being here too long. Um, the message can get stale as a coach and you know, he's probably you know that extra year or two, which maybe tarnishes the way people think of him here. But he was a great coach, and like you say, all you know, winning a Stanley Cup with that group that he had at the time, you know, was was really impressive. But um, the organizations change; they have a lot more young guys, and you just need a different voice and a, and a different way of thinking and seeing the players that are in that organization. So I,
1: I saw um, that happen. I'll tell you another guy I saw that happen with was Terry Francona. He wins two World Series titles for crying out loud. He breaks the eighty-six year drought. Everybody loves him. He's funny. He's forthright. He does a great job managing, and it came to a point where he had to go. Yeah,
0: and that's that's pro sports, and and you know it it happens in all sports and in any situation. It just the the time comes, and um, you got to move on. But yeah, certainly similar situations, I guess, with those two guys. You know, they, they, should, they should forever be beloved by the fans here, and I'm sure history will, um, will, will look good for them.
1: When this playoff run started, just, you know, a little over a week ago, when it started, what did you see as the eventual outcome for the Bruins?
0: I thought this series was going to be tough, to be honest. Um, and, and it still can be, and it's still, I mean, they've been, but I was not see, I did not see them blowing them out those first two games. Um, I thought losing that final game last week was going to be something that they are looked back and said, These, uh, you know, that was kind of messed that one up. But um, the narrative's changed real quick, and now, you know, you, you, look, at, you look forward in the way that the playoffs are structured. You know you're going to get, um, you know, Tampa Bay or New Jersey next if they get through this. So I think everything become much more positive on the way I see it. You know, they, there's no reason for them not to go all the way. Um, there really isn't they the way they won last night to, to without Patrice with getting out shot getting out chance but they find a way that they get their one chance and they make it you know they get their two on one and and march on and pass it. they don't they don't miss it you know they take advantage The same with the brusque school like those are those are key moments and they find a, they keep finding a way to to come through in those moments so without I, I i would it would be a disappointment at this point not to get to you know to the third fourth round
1: what's it going to be like for your buddies in Toronto if the Leafs lose this thing tomorrow night oh
0: uh, they've already they've already packed it in they they they're already off they, i mean they jump on and off this bandwagon like so quickly, so they're already off you know last night was it now they're done, and they'll still you know it's going to be another forty years till they win, so <laughs> so yeah they're done
1: <laughs> and yet they show up
0: oh they'll show up, yeah. Yeah, they'll show up. So it's funny though they they, they they despise the corporate mentality of the of the like the the ring. There's only 96 seats available for the public for the first series up there. It's all suits and it's so there's a little bit of disdain for that. But at the end of the day, they're all Leafs fans, and you know, yeah, they'll still come back expecting a cup next September.
1: This is Zero Pucks Given. It's brought to you by Star Market. Uh, It's been fun to reconnect with uh, an old friend, former Bruins goaltender Andrew Raycroft, who, remember Bruins fans, is the guy who brought you to Karask, so you should thank him when you run into him on the streets of Boston. Buy me a beer. (laughs) Buy you a beer. Andrew, I really appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Absolutely, Dale. Thanks. My pleasure. Take care. Before the ice freezes and the ref drops the puck, make the wise choice at your local grocer's aisle this hockey season and pick up your favorite Wise Snacks products. Made with high-quality ingredients packed with delicious flavor, Wise Snacks is that clutch score for your taste buds. Let's go, hockey fans. Hop over the boards and get your feet moving. Go top shelf this season and pick up your favorite tasting Wise Snacks products.